Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Well, on today's episode of Arch Talk 101, we're going to have a special guest with us today. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury, and I'm going to be host today on Arch Talk 101. And on the line with us, we have uh, John Brown, and he is going to tell us a little bit about him, himself so we can get to know him, and then we're going to find all kinds of cool stories. <laughs> Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Roy. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, uh, I work for Boyd Harness right now, which is a hunting accessory company. Um, and actually, we're developing some archery products, mostly cases, because uh, Boyd Harness is known for it's hard and soft cases. We've actually been making cases for Athens Archery now for about a year. Um, before that, I worked for PSE Archery for 14 years. Um, I shot for them. I actually, I still shoot for them. Not well, but I shoot for them. <laughs> um, uh, before that, I was a store manager for Gander Mountain. Um, been an outdoor writer. Uh, been in a few uh, on a few TV shows and stuff like that. Uh, worked for the New York Outdoorsman Hall of Fame, or is actually named Outdoorsman of the Year back in 2004, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've uh, uh, been a hunting guide, um, love to hunt, love to write about it, uh, love to talk about it, obviously, because I'm here. <laughs> but I first got started in uh, archery back in Gosh, 1981, I believe it was. I went to a YMCA camp, summer camp, and uh, they had shooting there. They had 22s and bows and arrows. And uh, I was pretty, I did pretty well on it and I really enjoyed it. I didn't grow up in a real hunting family. So um, it was a new experience for me. A lot of my friends did it. And uh, that was kind of the start of how I got into hunting and shooting archery and uh, haven't looked back and I and don't looking forward to the future and I really enjoy it and I love sharing it. Yeah now that the website that um, you had there what was the name of that one how oh. did they get all of you there? Okay boydharness.com it would um, would be the the company I work for. Um, we actually have a bunch of different companies uh, under underneath our umbrella. So there's Boyd Harness, which is known for its soft and hard gun cases. Um, we also have TOC, the Outdoor Connection, which is known for its slings and swivels. Uh, Bob Allen, which is known for its trap shooting, sporting clays, equipment. Mud River, which is known for hunting accessories. And Max Ops, which is known for its tactical gear. Um, we also own another company called Goki, which is a um, leather footwear company that's been around since 1850. Um, that's a whole nother website in itself that's direct to consumer. Uh, Boyd Harness people probably have seen a lot of our equipment at their uh, local uh, um, hunting accessory dealer. But uh, yeah, Boyd Harness has been around since 1901. Well, it's been a while. Well, yes. for those that for those that are, are listening and watching, I just want to let you know, you know, besides uh, listening to it on on uh, Spotify, you can also listen to it on Audible. Uh, it's free on Audible, and then you can watch the video. So those that we're gonna we're gonna share a screen here in a in a little bit, 
uh, those watching the video are going to actually be able to see it. Uh, and that you can see, uh, we record them live in the Archer Talk 101 Facebook group. So if you're in there, you'll be able to see it live. And if you want to watch the video, you can go out to archtalk101.com and there's links to the videos, or you can go straight to my YouTube channel and watch the videos. So let's go ahead and share the screen for um, Voight Harnesses. And I'll let you kind of talk us through uh, your website here. Uh, this is actually a really new website for us. It's uh, been a project that I've been uh, heading up for the last year for the company. And uh, uh, completely updated it. We're getting ready to uh, add some uh, um, features to this website, but this is a whole new look for us. Um, like I said, you know, there's a lot of changes taking place in the company, a lot of excitement, uh, looking forward to the next year with some of the new product that we're coming out with. Um, but as you can see, uh, we're known for our hunting gear, shooting gear, dog hunting stuff. You can go to the different uh, titles on the top of the screen there, um, or you can scroll down and you can see all the different kinds of gear that we do sell. That's, that's quite a selection of gear, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so for the company, I, over, uh, I oversee the marketing, uh, product development, and then a portion of the sales of the company. So uh, I was brought in from PSE. They actually uh, headhunted me down and uh, got me to interview. And it was just a great opportunity for me. And I've enjoyed it. I mean, I do miss PSC. I had a great time at PSC, but this has just been a great learning experience for me. Um, and just a really cool project um, for me. Learned a lot about the industry, about products, the development, the marketing and stuff like that. Um, and it's just been a good time for me and just excited about what the future has to hold for Boyd Harness. Yeah, that sounds sounds like it's a lot of interesting stuff to do. I know uh, from 2001, 2004, I owned a sporting goods store and I was a PSC dealer. <laughs> and <laughs> So it's kind of, you say PSC and uh, when I first got the store, I spent a week down in Tucson at their their dealer school. And, you know, back then, you know, they had like the Nova Bow had steel cables. So they actually taught us how to make steel cables, yeah. you know, and that's an, an art that most of your techs now wouldn't have a clue how to even make them. Exactly. Uh, and wouldn't even touch them. And those that have, have made several of them, uh, we wouldn't touch them either because first <laughs> off, trying to find the cables yes. <laughs> as one step above impossible. Uh, and if you do, they could be hundred to $200 a piece for them and you have to make them in pairs. Yep. You can't now, just make you, one. <laughs> now you went through the school at George Chapman then. Yes. Yep. I, uh, I actually, that's where I went through the school was with George as well. Um, miss him dearly. He was one of the greatest guys. Oh, I've yeah. Had. Yeah. That, that was really good. And, uh, one of the guys that was down there shot the, on the, the gorilla team shooting the 90 pound bows. And he was telling me one time he was down there shooting. This guy was watching him shoot and he's getting closer and closer. He didn't even realize it. This guy is standing right behind him. And when he shot that arm went flying back, you know, 90 pounds, yeah. it's going to come flying back. He was close. He smacked the guy in the face. That's how <laughs> close he was. And he, of course, surprised the both of them. <laughs> that, you know that's that's one of the stories that you know they, they told while i was down there and you know it was kind of funny you know dealer school you know they take a bow and they you strip it down to 
no two parts together. You have a bag of screws and, and cams and limbs and, and bolts and risers and here's a box. Yeah. Make it a bow. And yeah. you put it together. And, and I watch them making strings that in the power thing just zip, zip, zip. Their strings come out really quick. Yeah. You know, they don't take long. Uh, one of the things that I didn't like about the PSE strings is they kept moving. You know, those black and white strings yeah. that they yeah. made, yeah. they constantly moved. And, um, you know, my shooters, it's when I come in, the first thing I have to do is I have to make them a new string because they wouldn't even bother shooting it. And, <laughs> you know, that was, that was the biggest problem I had with them, except those that put the winner's choice on. Now, yeah. Those were good strings. But the ones they made, and you can see how you make hundreds of or thousands a day. Yeah. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to use expensive material. And, and I used, you know, a lot, a lot higher grade material that didn't really stretch. And, and, yeah. you know, I, I sold, uh, a lot of Nova bows. And yeah. It's probably one of the, it's like a, it's like a lever action 30, 30. Everyone had one. Right. Well, and I sold more PSEs than all the rest of the shops in town. There was like two other shops. One was mostly Matthews and the other one is mostly Hoyt. But that both sold PSE as well. But I sold more PSEs than all the rest of them put together. And then there was one over, you know, there's a couple other ones. But, um, and I sold the last year, I counted how many left-handed bows I sold. I sold 40% of my bows were left-handed. Oh, last wow. year I had my shop. And the reason was I stocked them. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny. I had a shop up in Maine and they used to sell uh, like a, a huge percentage over everybody else in left-handed bows. And, uh, um, you know, I asked him about it and he sat there and he, that was exactly what he said. It's because I have them in stock. Yeah. As, as, I don't know if you're right, kind of, but as a right-hander, most of the, most of the population seems to be majority being right-handed. So as a right-hander, would you want to go shoot a left-handed bow to see if you like it or not? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And in the Nova bows, I carried two rights because there's three different sizes mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and draw lengths. I carried two rights and one left in all of them and always had two rights and one left on hand. And then on some of the higher end ones, I also had some of the left-handed ones because one of my shooters was left-handed. <laughs> and one of the best stories, we ordered one in for my shooter, one of the higher end bows. I forget which model was now, but that's been you know, 20 years ago. Um, and it came in and this guy come in, was left-handed and wanted to try that. So we tried it, he liked it, we sold it to him. Then I had to order another one for my shooter yeah. Um, but hey, that's that's why you get a good price on them, you know, because yeah. as you probably know, the, the the staff shooters get a better deal than uh, than the, the dealer, you know, yeah. but, um, which is fine. You know, I don't mind yeah. you know, as a shooter. You should be able to shoot for two years and be basically shooting free bows because you should be able to sell your your bow from two years ago for as much, if not more than what you paid for it, because it's such a good price that you got on it. Yeah. And. It's, it's interesting. You brought up a, a point about the strings and cables. And uh, um, I was with PSC when they went to their live wire strings and cables. And uh, it's a night and day improvement. Um, the, the, the live wire strings and cables that come on the PSC bows now are just as good as the custom uh, strings and cables out there. But that was a huge change for PSC. Um, it was one that it took a lot of convincing on Pete um, to make happen. Right. 
but it's an automatic, it's an automated system now. So it's a computer. So a string made on Monday morning is just as good as one on Wednesday afternoon as Friday afternoon. It's, uh, um, it's really interesting. Um, they were using 452X material. I don't know if that's changed in the last year or two, but um, one of the biggest improvements I saw with PSC when I worked for them was going to the new strings and cables. So, yeah, and and that's good because you know that's one of the things that you, you know was was the biggest downfall in you know the bows. Yeah. Um, now, as far as the way they shot, you know, if I got a PSC shooter in there or a Hoyt shooter in there with an open mind, mm -hmm. you know, and, and wasn't that you know that a lot of the Matthew shooters, you know, they believe in the hype. Um, now, are they a good bow? Oh, yeah, they're good bows. Yeah. Um, you know, so is Hoyt, so is PC, so yeah. pretty much any of them. Yeah. And if they come in with an open mind, I can get the Matthew shooters into to my, you know, pro series bows. Yep. Yeah. All the time. Hoyt shooters, yeah, not so much. <laughs> you know, that, that was a tough move from Hoyt to, to PSE, but Matthews to PSE was, was there. Now, I had a Matthews before I become a dealer, uh, the Q2. And, and I got that. And then when I become a dealer, I actually went down to this because part of going to dealer school, you part of the cost was including a bow. Yeah. So I went down and I says, okay, I'm shooting a Matthews Q2. Which bow should I pick? That's going to be as good, if not better than, than that one. And yeah. ended up being the, 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 the Carrera. You probably remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, really I still care. have it. That's my hunting bow. I still have that bow. And, <laughs> and it's like, after shooting that, setting that up, it's like, yeah, I had no problem selling the Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come out with the, um, um, was it the Scorpion? They, they come out with it, yeah. I think, in 2003 yeah. um, as a, a, a two-cam bow with a mm -hmm. control cable. Yeah. The next year, they made it a single cam, and then the next year, they dropped it. Yeah. And I had I had the first years. That's that's my my bow that I use for non hunting, you know, archery. And I need to make new strings. And on the on the sticker, only give two sizes. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking on their website. Only thing I can see is with single cam. Don't see nothing for the two cams. So I got a hold of my sent up the serial number off the bow, and they sent me back the links. They knew they knew what it was because I didn't I didn't have any sheets that told me, yeah. you know, what the length was. And I don't want to try and measure it because it was you know, many years old yeah. and I'd actually made another string for it before. So I wanted to know what the size was. And I had made a string that it was braided, three color braid. Okay. So I took the three different color strands and it's weird trying to figure out exactly how long you have to, because I make it longer than normal, normal length. Cause you're, mm -hmm. you're not just twisting, you're braiding it. Yeah. So I took, you know, braided it just like you would, you know, braiding any three strands. And, and it was, it was kind of, it almost made kind of a, a almost a flat string out of it. Yeah. And then I put some twists in it and I had that on there for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Probably too many because it ended up breaking. Yeah. <clears throat> and I like all Botex. It took me uh, a couple of years to make a new string for it. <laughs> I just had other things going on and I never got to it, you know. <laughs> You know the yeah. the last the last one to work on 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 your bow is yourself because you work on everybody else's and yeah I and I'm sure as a dealer there was probably many a times where you'd set up a bow for yourself someone would come in they'd look at it they'd want to shoot it and then you'd end up selling it yeah yeah <laughs> well and 
and all of those, one of the things that we used to do with the Nova bows, and and this is something I, I I don't know if I mentioned or not, but as you draw back the Nova bows, you'd have a little creek in it. Mm-hmm. And so all my all my techs, they knew when the boat Nova bow come in, first thing they did was they took it apart and they lubricated the limb pockets. Mm-hmm. Squeak gone away. And then I'll set all of them tie on. Uh, we just call them, you know, the poofa balls. You take the the a bass jig skirt material, mm-hmm. and we cut it all maybe three inches long, and we'd put multiple strands on there, and we'd tie a knot really tight and with with serving material, and then we cut it and form little balls on them, and and then I took and because it come with a quiver, the sight, the rest, and some with stabilizer, and then for a while they they didn't put stabilizer, but I'd put a sling and a stabilizer on it, and of course the little cheap ones, you know the the inexpensive ones, and then I'd add six arrows with tips in it. Because you could buy the Nova bow at Walmart, everyplace else. Yeah. But you couldn't buy it set up. You couldn't buy yeah. it, you know, with, with arrows. That was extra cost. And you couldn't buy it with shooting instruction because every bow I taught you how to shoot. Yeah. Now, if you're an experienced archer, yeah, I'm still going to help you if you want, but that's times that they don't want any help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, if they wanted help, I'd help. But so all my bows come set up, which I charge $40 if you didn't buy the bow from me. So and $100 an hour for shooting instruction. And I actually had one guy take his bow back. He'd called me up and says, do you think I can and put, you know, put the it together? And I said, well, you can put it together, but it won't rewrite. I charge $40 to set it up because you didn't buy it from me. And on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, I'm going to give you a shooting instruction. He said, I'm going to take it back and get it from you. <laughs> is that value added you know yeah. that's that's what can i set my do set myself apart you know i'm thinking that's what i was doing not really thinking that at the time but i just didn't want to match you sell the same thing walmart did yeah. and that's why i never carried hard cases you know the plano hard cases yeah. because you go buy them from walmart for five dollars more than my wholesale cost less yeah and then i had shipping on top of it so it, it just didn't make sense now if i wanted a high-end one you know like like something that you had the cases you had high-end ones yeah. yeah walmart didn't sell them so then i'd order those in for you i didn't stock them because yeah yeah not everyone wanted to buy a hundred dollar case at the time it, it, you brought up an interesting point about charging for setting up the bows and stuff like that and uh i know that you you know having gone through george chapman's university you know he would talk about free has no value you get a free coffee mug and you drop it you don't even care so when right. some when you set up a bow for someone for free, they don't really understand or appreciate the value that they just got. Um, there's so many dealers that I, I, I try to explain that to them. You, you know, if you want to compete against the box stores, giving away setup, then you're just sitting there saying that your setup is just as good as their setup. Right. Um, if you sit there and you put some value on it, then the person appreciates it and understands and respects it a little bit more. Uh, Another thing that you brought up was uh, the creaking noise. And I actually have a funny story about that because um, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with uh, Nathan Brooks. He was one of the top shooters uh, um, in the archery industry. Great guy, loved the guy to death. Um, uh, I remember he was shooting the mojo and he brought up because he used to talk about how when you'd pull back on the mojo, he had this creaking noise. And he was at a tournament and uh, he was in a shoot off 
And uh, um, he sat there and said that uh, he, you know, someone said, aren't you going to do anything about the creaking noise? He's like, no, no, I'm not worried about it. It shoots great. So he's in the shoot off and he sits there and he hears that creak and he goes, oh God, I hope that's, oh, I hope my bow doesn't blow up or something like that. He could see the other guy just starting to get nervous, like looking over his shoulder. <laughs> I just about died laughing. I, I probably don't have the story exactly right, but it was something along that lines. And I thought that was the funniest thing I'd heard in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh... Uh, that is kind of funny when you when you have a creak and then uh, somebody says something it gets into your head yeah you know <laughs> yep yeah the creaking is just it's not anything you know the snapping sound that's a little different sound mm -hmm. yeah. yeah a creaking sound is just they need lubrication and, and that's yep. why you know on the the novas we tarmba now i never had a problem with the creaking any of the bows except the novas yeah the, all the other ones are just just great and and yeah, no problems it's just something about that nova the way it was set up you know they didn't put any lube in in the the pockets on those little half rounds and yeah, yeah. it was meant to be an inexpensive ball so you know but you know there's there's models out there um you know not just psc everyone has every once in a while i i remember one of the other companies you know everyone had you know talked about this creaking noise it was it was uh um when you pull back and it was, they had two models, um, 82nd and the 101st. And, uh, um, uh, so everyone knows what bow company that was, Yeah, you know, nice shooting bow and everything, but they just, they had some, you know, they had a couple of issues and it wasn't really anything, you know, big or anything like that. Um, but it's funny that, that a lot of times when people hear that click noise or the creak noise, whatever you want to call it, a lot of times it's just because the bow hasn't been pulled back and they've got wax on their strings and stuff and it's just settled and they pull it back and it's just that wax separating from the connection of the metal or whatnot and that's really all it is and you know yeah. like when i go hunting the first thing i do when i get in the tree stand is pull my bow back just so that i don't have that noise well and i do the same thing when i get in the tree first thing I do is i'm going to pull the bow back well one to make sure everything is all right and, and make sure you know i'm gonna as i'm full draw i'm gonna check make sure i don't have limbs in the way and and stuff so i'm, I'm all set and that uh, also lets you know that you hadn't been practicing enough sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Win, winter time you know this yeah. is this is december winter time you're in big heavy coat you climb up in the tree stand you go to pull the bow back and you know i shot 70 pounds and i hadn't been shooting much since hunting season started because i'm going out hunting you know, yeah. first mistake, not shooting much, and I can't pull the bow back. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying everything I can to get that bow back and, and you know, ended up pulling a muscle or something. You know, later when I sat, I said, okay, either go home or sit here. I'm, I'm going to sit. I sat, warmed up a little bit. I was able to pull it back, but man, I hurt for a week <laughs> because I, I was draining and, you know, I, I just didn't practice enough yeah. throughout hunting season and you know, then when you only have one bow, um, it's a bit different. And with your the fixed blade broadheads, do not fly like a field tip. Anybody says they do, don't know what they're talking about because they don't fly exactly like it. Now you can toot them to group, but they're not necessarily always going to group like your field tips. And I didn't care because that was my mm -hmm. hunting bow. Is it was set up to shoot broadheads, shoot X's with broadheads, and I didn't care if the field tips didn't hit in the same spot because that you know. Yeah. that's when i had two bows and um 
I didn't care because I'm shooting field tips. I'm shooting my other bow, yeah. shoot my other PSC. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't care that it didn't shoot like the field tip because I have another bow. Yeah. And and one of the things that you can do is if you have two different sites, just change sites. Yeah. You know, don't have to reset everything all up each time. You just pull the site up, put the next one on and, and go. And, you know, those that have dovetails on them, nice can just switch out, you know, get two yeah. types of dovetails, just yeah. pull it out and put it back in. As long as you put it back in the same spot. Yeah. You know, I had one guy one time says, no, he'd, one time he'd put it in, it'd be all the way in, it'd be all the way out and it'd keep moving it around. And I says, you can't do that. You got to be in one spot. And he says, he didn't believe me that it made a difference. Well, it does. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the further out it is, the bigger your gap is. Yeah, you know, between for the distance, they get closer and closer together as you come in, and you're like, oh, I guess it does make a difference. You know, we tried <laughs> it, and then and then out all the way out, and, and you know, shoot your different pins at the same spot. So you take your single spot, you shoot your 20, 30, 40, 50, and whatever you have, mm -hmm. and then move sight all the way out and do it again, and your gapping changes. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, like you got to make sure they're all the same, but I just like having two different bows. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a couple of different bows myself, but you know, 99.9% .9 of the time that creaking noise is just our body, especially for older guys like you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's our body making noise. It's not the yeah. bow. <laughs> yeah. When you but, draw back, you know, there's pop, pop, yeah. you know, all that. That's just my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't shot in a few weeks. Yep. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah. That's um, just normal. That's just me. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I set up a bow for my 3D competition, and then I set up a bow, a separate bow for just hunting. Um, right now for hunting, I, sh I use a Mach 1, um, the PSC carbon bow. It's one of the best bows I've ever shot in my life. It's just, just a smooth shooter, um, just really nice. Um, for 3D, I sh shoot the XF33 with the S2 cam. Um, I just like a little bit more weight when I'm shooting 3D competitively. Um, and that XF33 is just amazing. They've got the, that's last year's model. This year's the Fortis, really nice bow. Um, I just didn't have time to, to bother with getting a, a 3D bow or shooting 3D competition this year, just because my youngest daughter is her last year in uh, high school. And then she's getting ready to leave basic training for the army and my oldest was in the air force over in germany and she's coming back so it was just and with work with all the projects and stuff i was just so busy that i didn't get a chance to get the fortis but i did shoot the fortis at the ata show and uh really nice shooting bow but that xf 33 i've been really happy with it's i, I took it out of the box set it up and uh it was just shooting lights out um i wish i shot as good as that bow shot but it was one of the most comfortable bows i've shot especially for 3d so yeah. if you haven't gotten any new bow roy you probably need to take a look at some of their new bows they're pretty they're pretty impressive <laughs> i i know that's like i used to tell somebody would come in my store it's like you know here you have all the different ones in this as well uh you you're ready to buy it's like no i'm just kind of looking it's like well don't shoot it then because if you shoot it you're going to want to buy it and <laughs> and that's just kind of the way way it is i i know when i was um when i was working at cabela's they would get we would get in all the big pallets full of uh returns um because we had you know between myself and and john the other guy that worked there 
we had lots of experience putting bows together, working on bows, all kinds of different problems. Um, pretty much between the two of us, uh, there's pretty much not much we haven't seen or done with archery, mm -hmm. and including setting up a bow to shoot two arrows. <laughs> uh, I did that when I had my store, but that's a different story. I've talked about that in the past, but uh, we would get these bows in and we might get three or four bows, the same model. This one has this problem. This has this problem. So, cause we also sold used bows theirs as well. Yeah. Um, so we would take and take all the good parts off of one bow, make one good bow, put it out for sale. And then we'd go from there. And then ones that were just really just not beyond fixing, because, uh, you know, we just didn't have all the parts or something. And by the time you mm -hmm. do that on some of these bows, it's, you know, if you, if you don't have any cams or strings, the rest is just kind of mostly just, you know, scrap at that point. And we'd go through, we'd, we'd set them all these up. And I was able to get a couple of bows from them really cheap. Um, the one bow I got was a, it was a bear. Was in a snow camel. It was nine hundred dollars? Is what the list price was new. I got it for, you know, hundred, two hundred bucks, something like that. But it needed new strings. Okay, no big deal. I have the string jig. I've been making hundreds of strings. I have enough string material that I could make me a new string every day for the rest of my life and probably not run out. <laughs> you know, uh, now I may not have a lot of choice in colors. I'm gonna have to buy some servings, but uh, I have lots of string material, so that was no big deal. And then the other thing was one of the string dampeners, the, the bolt was messed up in it. So I just fixed that. And now I have another bow that I've never even put a rest on yet, but it's back. It's, it's functional now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, um, you're, you know, taking those bows apart and utilizing different parts and stuff like that is one of the things that I enjoyed about PSC, but yet didn't at times is, is the Franken bows that people would make. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's another archery company that ha has the versatility that um, PSC had with the Franken bows because you don't really see a lot of Franken bows with the, the Hoyt or the Matthews or anything like. And it's just, it's kind of like, you know, how guys work on cars and stuff like that and they right. do all these alterations. It's the same thing on the bows and everything. And I just remember, you know, I'd see some of these bows that guys would make and I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty interesting and all that. And, but at the same time, I'm just like going, yep, I can just see they're going to be calling me up or emailing me, you know, asking for parts. I don't know yeah. if you saw that, that, that too much, but I, I saw it quite a bit. No, no, I didn't. When we was working on the bows, we wouldn't take bow from one, one model to another model. It was all the same model. So mm -hmm. we get identical bows in with just different problems. And, yeah. and, you know, so you could still go back and say, okay, I have this model bow and get the, the replacement parts because yep. it was exact parts for them. Um, we didn't kind of mix them because then it made yeah, a nightmare for not only us making sure it worked, but the customer couldn't figure out what to do with it. And this way it did meet the specs of that bow. And, yeah. and I know there was, there was one time I don't know how they did it, but PSC come in with with the um, the tap for the site was the wrong thread. Okay. I don't know how they did it. It's the only one ever seen. And so, so I knew what the thread was supposed to be. Now I'm trying to find a thread because it's a weird thread. Yeah. And it's not the standard where you can't go to the hardware store and get that thread. Yeah. And so I finally found one. I had 
I had to order it from China or someplace. I remember stopped by the post office Saturday. I picked up the tap. I went into work. I retapped it, bolted it on, and sold that bow that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it just worked out. You know, that was the bow they wanted, and I just fixed it. So now it was like it was supposed to be. And yeah, know, that's weird. I did have one one come in one time that I forget. I think it was um, for the rest wasn't tapped. Okay. That drilled the hole. That didn't tap. Didn't tap it. I was like, ah. so of course I get to tap and tap it and you know sell the bow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, problem solved. This like, I don't think I, I'm. I may have called them but let them know just for information. But I don't remember if I even told them. I just fixed it and went on. You, you know, because I had the stuff to do it. I had to be able to do it, and it wasn't any big deal. And you know, working on people's bows sometimes I tell them. You know, it's a good thing you're not here when I'm working on it because you wouldn't like what I'm doing to your bow. <laughs> yeah, when when you have a stripped out screw on a cam, how do you get stripped out screw? You have to drill it out. So yeah. now I got a yeah. drill, and I'm drilling on their cam. You know, and then you get because you get the right size, and all of a sudden, boom, the head pops off. Out comes a screw. Yep. <laughs> um, I used to love that. I so when I worked for Gainer Mountain, I started as a archery tech for them, and. Uh, I remember one customer came in and he was just like trying to tell me how to do it and everything. And I, I like looked at him. And I said, well, why don't you do it yourself if you know how to do it and everything? Well, I just don't have the tools and stuff. And I said, why don't you invest in it? And he was like, look, that's what you're for. And he's like, just being really particular about it. And I was getting very frustrated with him. So we had like this little room that was off the side and I went in the room and I just hung his bow up on a hook. And then I took, we had this big mallet and I just started hitting the table. And I sat there and my, one of the other guys working and he's like, you okay? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm just fixing this guy's bow for him. And I'm sitting there just pounding on the table. The guy opens the door screaming like, what are you doing to my bow? And I just started laughing. And everyone, <laughs> there was a bunch of people out at the archery counter and they just started laughing because they could see that I was just banging on a table. I wasn't even touching his bow <laughs> at the time. And I said, listen, buddy, I said, I, I shoot competitively. I've set up hundreds, not thousands of bows. I said, I'll set up your bow and we'll have it shooting lights out and everything. I go, but if you're going to tell me how to do it, you might as well just take it, go buy yourself the tools and do it yourself. And uh, the guy sat there and he kind of calmed down. And um, Nate, who was the other guy I was working with me, sat there and told him, said, listen, he knows what he's doing. Just let him do what he's got to do. And I, I was like, you know, thank you. But yeah, it's, it's interesting working on people's bows. I had a, another guy that came in with a wood riser bow and he's like, Hey, you know, I haven't shot this in a while. Can you, can you take a look at it? it makes a really weird sound when you draw it. And I looked at it and I was just like, yeah. And you know, and it was a few years old and I just looked at him. I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. I really don't like working on wood riser bows. Cause it's not a matter if, if they're going to blow, it's a matter of when they're going to blow up because you probably, I said, did you keep this in a temperature? Well, I leave it out in my garage. And I was like, yeah, that's not, that's really not good for a wood riser bow. I said, but I'll take a look at it. So I started drawing it back and all of a sudden, whack, and the bow came apart. The limb had broken off, came back and it shot right into the calf muscle of my right leg. And I closed my eyes and everything. And I just stood there and I said, because everything stopped moving and, and 
one guy goes, yeah. And I go, did anybody get hit? And they're like, no. And I said, okay. And I just dropped the ball, you know, what I had left in the, in my hand. And I looked at the guy and I said, I'll be right back. He's like, he's like, starts freaking out. Where the hell do you think you're going? You just blew up my bow. And I said, um, I got to go fix the cut my leg from your limb going into my leg. And he, he was like, he was all mad. And I came out and I said, listen, here's two bows, choose whatever bow you want. I'll set it up and all that. And he was like, no, no. I, and his bow was, you know, it was an inexpensive bow. And I was sitting there getting, it was a, a bear package. And I can't remember a golden eagle package that I oh, yeah. the entry level bow. I said, I'll, you know, I'll sit there and give you one of those bow packages straight across the board. And the guy's sitting there going, that's not what I want. And he's like pointing at the high end um, bows. He goes, I want one of those. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. I said, I don't even have to give you a bow. I said, I'm just trying to be nice because you know, you're a fellow bow hunter and I want you to get out there and enjoy the sport. And he starts throwing a fit. And I said, let me get a manager for you. Manager comes over and sits there and goes, what's going on? tells the story and the guy goes I want one of these bows and the manager looks at him and he goes he doesn't even have authorization to give you one of those low-end bows <laughs> he goes, I don't even know why he's doing it he, he goes he told you that it's a matter of when not if and uh, he goes but if he's willing to give you one of those low-end bows that's your choice and he goes if you want you can pick up your parts and you can go home and you can try to sue us or whatever he, he goes but he goes he's doing you a favor by you know giving you one of those bows the guy picked up, picked out a bow. He actually didn't want me to set it up. He was giving me a hard time about it and everything. And it was so funny. I got him, got him set up, took him shooting and his buddy was there and he, we're in the range and he's shooting buddy sits there and goes, you've never shot that good in your life. <laughs> <And> <laughs> pretty happy because I was giving them tips and stuff like that and helping them. Six months later, that guy comes back in the shop and he sits there and he goes, you know, hey, I'm interested. He goes, do you remember me? And I was like, no, not really. And he goes, I'm the guy whose bow blew up in on you, the wood riser bow. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, listen, I'm here to get a bow. And I go, what happened to your other bow? And he goes, you know, I was just really happy with the service you gave me. And he goes, my friend sat there and, you know, kind of explained to me that I should be thanking my lucky stars that you were so nice enough to give me a bow and get me hunting. He goes, but now I want to pay it back. He goes, I want to buy one of those high-end bows. And uh, he goes, and I want you to set it up. So it ended up being a pretty good deal. But uh, for a few minutes there, I thought the guy was going to punch me <laughs> over his bow. <laughs> well, you, you never know. And um, yeah. I know I had, a, I had a kid come in with his dad and the limbs was cranked out too far and it actually twisted a little bit. So now the limb is above the pocket on both the limbs yep. and because he couldn't pull the weight back. Yep. And he went to another shop to have it fixed last time. Yes. So then come into my shop this time. And so I'm looking at it. And so I'm getting ready to put it in the press. And I said, you guys might want to stand back because this could come apart in the press. <laughs> so I press it enough to take the string off so I could get it back in because I couldn't just tighten the bolt because... Yep. It had been against the, the pocket. Yep. So I finally get it back in and then I crank it out to the max you can. And then I tell them, it's like, you know, because I charge 20 bucks to put it in a bow press. No matter what I'm doing, it's, it's 20 bucks. Unless I'm, you know, tying in a peep or something, yeah. I put it in a bow press just to hold it. That I don't charge for that. But, yeah. you know, if I have to do any work on it, it was 20 bucks to put it in a press. 
So I got it all back together, cranked it out, and I tell him, now, now this is as far out as you can go. And that's when the dad told me that, yeah, he was over to the other shop and they told him the same thing. I say, it's $20 this time. It's $40 next time. $20 to do the work and $20 stupid fee. His dad <laughs> just looked at me, just left. <laughs> he just left. <laughs> it's like, do not crank it past this point. That's the yeah. lowest it can go. Yeah. And the only way if you can put a, a you know, a, a longer string or shorter string on them and you can change, you know, the weight that way. Um, but that's not what he's doing. It's like, it's too much bow. And I see a lot of people shooting too much bow yeah. and, or they're drawing it completely incorrectly. Um, you know, you'll see them draw them across their chest. And I yeah. talk this all the time, draw across your chest, using your arm muscles to draw the bow, your weak muscles, and then you're rising it up. You know, are they, you know, shoot at the sky and draw back and then pull down. Well, is your arm stronger pulling down and is pushing out? No, because, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just try it sometime. Have some, somebody hold your arm up and you push down and resist. Now bend that arm and push away. You're much yeah. stronger. So now they're using their weak muscles to pull the bow down. And then they're using cross your chest, the weak muscles there instead of using the back muscles and LCM, they're struggling and struggling. And I see this on TV, on, on hunting shows. Oh, yeah. They're shooting too much weight because I can tell by just you know working through and then they'll put that finger over it and they'll just slam on that trigger when they get ready to go. It's like, ah. And these are supposed to be professional archers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny how, how very few of the hunting show guys you actually see at any competitions. I don't know if it's how many there is, but I don't know of any that really compete. Uh, yeah, there's 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 a couple like Levi Morgan. He's got he's yeah. got it. Um, uh, Chris Brackett had done, had done it. He was actually uh, he's probably one of the best natural shots I've ever seen um, in person. Um, but there's a, there's a few of them out there that that do have TV shows and shoot competitively. But you're right. When you see some of these hunting shows and you watch them draw a bow back or just how they settle in and you're like going, going, yeah, yeah I, if you hit a heart, get a heart shot there, I'm going to be pretty impressed there. But <laughs> it's uh, some of them are kind of scary. Um, and a lot of times you don't see that portion of the video. Yeah, because they've probably gotten too much flack for it. It's like, OK, dude, I can make you a better shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And and that's that's the thing is you get somebody that can help you get better, you know. Yeah. You may be able to outshoot me, but I can make you a better shot. And you know, for my students, my goal is to make them outshoot me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I can teach I you. With, I may not be able to outshoot you, I but I can teach you. <laughs> well, when I work with people, you usually end up being better shots than me, but <laughs> um. <laughs> When I worked for PSC, I was pretty fortunate because I actually, you know, I oversaw the shooting team for the Northeast United States. And uh, um, I was one thing that I was really proud of when I worked for PSC is uh, my shooting staff in the Northeast um, had more world championships, more record animals than any other shooting staff in the world. And I used to brag about it on social media. I'd sit there because my staff was just awesome. Great personalities you know, very nice people, always willing to help, but they were some of the best shots always at shows or events. They're always willing to help out and stuff like that, um, which is nice. But there was times where you'd have people that are like, oh, I've been hunting for 40 years. And, um, you know, I'd have someone like uh, John Bozzi, who was one of the 
the best shooters um, that's been in the archery world. And he actually has helped me with my shooting skills. I wish I would have listened to him a lot more and a lot sooner because um, he did help me improve quite a bit. But, you know, I was a little bit stubborn myself. Um, but, you, you know, they, they'd sit there and I've been shooting bow for 40 years. And I would just like look at him and he was one of the, he, he is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. One of the most helpful guys you'll ever meet. John just sat there and just like, yep. And he goes and he worked with him. And by the end, the guy was shooting so much better. And the guy sat there and said, you know, thank you so much. But yeah, I, I was very fortunate up in the Northeast with the staff. I had some great people. They're still great people still stay in touch with them and everything. But yeah, it was, it was interesting at events or at tournaments and stuff like that. Seeing some of these people that 20 years of bad habits and they, and they believed in them. Yeah. Well, I, I know, you know, you've been shooting for 40 years while well, you're doing it wrong because there's a better ways now. Yeah. Uh, back 40 years ago, they didn't know. Yeah. You know, back when I first started, you know, they said, okay, get with recurs, just open your fingers, mm -hmm. open your fingers. Yeah. Well, th they found that this, that, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, you see a lot of them, they'll open their fingers, their hand comes away from the face. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay. And it, it just so much, so much cleaner, more, more consistency when you use them, you know, a bit more modern ways. And uh, I, I know there's, there's, new ways that I had to figure out. It's like, you know, somebody talking about a, a string walker. Yeah. Um, is there anything like the skin walker on the TV show? <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, what is this? You know, and, and finally I've interviewed a couple of people that, that use it and explain what's going on with it. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, gap shooting and yeah. all this other stuff. And you know, me, I look at the target and I draw back and I shoot, you know, I just, I don't look at my sight because I, I don't have a sight on my recurve. Um, I use it for bow fishing. You ain't got time for sight. Yeah. You know, when you're bow fishing, you don't have time to gap shoot. You don't have time to string walk. You don't have time to do all those things. It's get your anchor point, draw back and release. Yeah. You know, you don't have time to sit on an anchor point. You come back, you touch the anchor point and you keep going. Mm -hmm. That's what time you have when you're bow fishing because they ain't there very long. So you got to shoot consistently uh, quick. Um, now, a lot of them are using compounds now for bow fishing. No, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> because it's a different weapon. Recurve is one. Compounds yeah. a different, it's a different weapon, shot completely different. My mind changes, you know, my attitude changes and, and my thought process changes. You know, with the compound anchor point, um, you know, I got the kisser button, you know, I got the anchor, you know, wherever my mm -hmm. hand is. If I'm using a wrist strap, then it's this knuckle in, in that back pocket. Uh, if it's my hand held, then it's my hands turn a little bit different. But I got my nose and the peep and and all that all lined up, and and then I find the side. And I don't really look at my level anymore because I've shot so much that you know if I do glance at it, uh, it's 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 there, so I don't have to worry about. It. Now if I'm on a hill, I might check it to make sure because I'm already leaning in a weird position. Yeah. Um, you know, I come back and then you know pull through, and I can't do that bow fishing because. For me, it's just one of those mental blocks that I'd have no desire to break. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So um, that's why I have a, a PSE recurve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I have... first recurve was a, a Ben Pearson fiberglass recurve you know, back was... in the 60s. That was one of my first ones. That was actually my bow fishing bow. And I remember 
gosh, I was, I was home on leave from the army and I was going to go bow fishing with my buddy. And we get in the canoe and we're going down the river in Southern Wisconsin. And um, I said, I'll let you go first and all that, you know, just to, to you know, let him have fun because he never had done it. Oh, yeah. And he drew back. And as he drew back, I don't know if he released it or what, but all of a sudden the bow just blew up. And I was just, oh. and I think what happened is, is when he let go, he hit the corner of the or the edge of the boat and that shattered the the um the bow and i just was i didn't even want to talk the rest of the day i had because i just had so many good memories with that bow and everything he felt so bad he's like i'll buy you a new bow and i was like it, it's not even worth the money don't worry about it. you know that aspect yeah. i said it's just the memories i because i used to bow fish with that all the time oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, let, well, you have those long lambs on the reekers and, and you know they can, if you're not careful they can yeah. get caught on something and yep yeah so. yeah I I still have mine I don't shoot it because the fiberglass is starting to separate yeah. a little bit uh, but I still have it. it has a little bracket I made on it to fasten my uh, bow fishing reel onto it mm -hmm. um, I can't get my hand in anymore because you know that was in the 60s so my hands are way smaller for <laughs> now so i i can't put it in there but i don't use it it's still got the string on it um yeah. but i don't string it i just keep it with it just yeah. just because and and you know it's it's it kind of more of a you know keepsake than it is a functional bow because you know 25 pound fiberglass recurve is you know i can get a whole bunch of those easy <laughs> <laughs> you know that's something that's a little bit newer and yeah so yeah it's it's uh it's definitely archery world has definitely changed i mean in just in the last 20 years um let alone the last 50 years um you know speaking of psc i don't know if you knew this but psc um got sold this year no i didn't yeah, um, uh, an investment group um, that's uh, that's based around hunting ended up buying them. Um, uh, they're being uh, the the Lonnie Workman is now the CEO of the company. He was actually a, a sales rep like myself, and worked his way up in the company, and now he's CEO. Um, I, you know, I I still talk to Pete every once in a while. Um, uh, he's still kicking, um, but this is definitely a new change. I think there's going to be a lot, you know, Pete wasn't necessarily big into marketing. He just let the bows basically speak for themselves. Uh, Lonnie, Which they did very well. <laughs> yeah. And they still do. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think uh, Lonnie brings a lot to the table for PSC and the new ownership. Uh, he understands the industry. So it's going to be kind of exciting to see what happens there with PSC, but in just the companies in general, seeing some of these newer companies that are coming in, which is kind of nice. I mean, if you shot competitively, you didn't want to just go win, you, you know, you, you just did want to show up. Like I used to, when I used to shoot the IBOs up in the Northeast, a lot of times I'd show up and I'd be the only one in my class. And it was like, yeah, I won, but whoop de dee you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You're, you're one and only. And, yeah, who cares? <laughs> um, I went in my backyard all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, 
but these smaller companies are actually, you know, they're bringing some, some new stuff and uh, um, Lonnie's going to sit there and, you know, he's not going to let anybody, you know, dictate to him, uh, you know, or push him to push the company in a certain direction. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what needs to be done. He's going to make it happen. So it's going to be really interesting in the next couple of years to see the changes that take place at PSC. I'm excited about it. Looking forward to it. Also excited to see some of these other companies coming up. You know, like I said, with Boyd Harness, been working with Athens Archery, made a case for them. Um, love Jim and Tracy who own Athens Archery. Great couple, great people. Some of the other companies I, you know, I've dealt with in the past. I've dealt worked with Bowtech um, uh, on some stuff and really nice uh, experience there. Uh, Darton uh, has really been on the on the forefront this year. Uh, it's pretty exciting. They just did an announcement on their new bows yesterday. It was pretty interesting to watch, but it's pretty interesting in the archery industry right now. Um, even though it's kind of like a lull, a lot of people would say in the industry right now, but I think you're going to start seeing some changes for the positive. So I'm excited about that and uh, looking forward to it. Um, competition wise, I, you know, the ASA is taking place this weekend, the ASA championships, and then IBO will be next weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what takes place. And it's one of those things I tell guys that are in the hunting, go to the 3D courses and shoot them, get into that competition. Cause that was one thing I loved about, even though I wasn't necessarily the greatest <laughs> competition, not the greatest shot, but that 3D hones your skills to the point where when I got into um, bow hunting season, I just gotten off of shooting IBO competitively. I was so comfortable. If a deer came in, I like I knew where that arrow was going to land, and uh, you know I I think that's one of the things that will help archery is for people to get more involved in those in their clubs, their local clubs is shooting competitively at their 3D events or even their archery and, you know, the indoor archery shooting spots and stuff like that. Yeah, I used to tell my team, I'd sit there and tell, you know, I have a lot of 3D shooters. I tell them to shoot the spots indoors during the winter because you can work on your form then. Right. And then, and then when you get into the spring, summer and you go to shoot the 3D, I like shooting IBO because I like shooting unknown yardage is then you can focus on, you've got your form down now you can focus on, you know, figuring out what that yardage is and, you know, what shot you need to make to be successful. Um, and I wish people would understand and appreciate some of that aspect of that whole, th that whole cycle of things. Start off in the indoors, work on your form, shoot the 3D to work on your distance and yardage. And then when you get into the bow hunting season, you know, you're going to shoot lights out. And then even before that, I wish people would learn a little bit more about setting up bows so that they can understand and appreciate it for, you know, not necessarily because they're going to set up their bows all the time for themselves, because um, we need the shop owners and stuff like that. We still need right. the dealers, but they can understand and appreciate more the work that a dealer puts in to setting up their bows, and they can understand and appreciate the bows even more. And I'm only talking about it guys need training wheels to shoot um those the longbows recurve guys that that's an art form and i'll never be that good i i bow before them um they're impressive um but for us training wheel guys i you know 
learn a lot more. You learn a lot more about the archery by learning about setting up the bows. Even if you don't do it yourself all the time, you can appreciate it and see what goes into it. And then do that whole schedule of events to sit there and become a better shooter. And then the other thing is get your friends involved so that we can grow the sport. Cause I'm really afraid that archery is going to become a niche thing, kind of like fly fishing, where it's just us weird old guys, you know, that do it. Um, you know, it's a fun sport and I just wish people would get more people involved. Um, and it's just a matter of getting them out there and, you know, letting them know that, yep, I didn't shoot that well that, you know, when I first started out and, you know, I'm 52 years old and I still don't shoot that well. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always tell us like, you know, I like shooting spots to get develop my skill. Then I know I can hit what I'm aiming at, yep. you know, if, if I can go out there and I know, okay, the X ring is not a problem hitting the X ring. Now, can I do it every time? Oh, of course not. <laughs> uh, but uh, so now I know I can hit my, here's my form. I know I can hit what I'm aiming at. So if I put my 20 yard pin or whatever pin I put on there, uh, I know I can hit it. And then I like going to the 3Ds, like you're talking about. It's like, hey, I don't, I just got a range finder. Was it last year? <laughs> That's the first time I had a range finder. I got a little range finder. And because I always learned how to range find, you know, how, how to judge my yardage, you know, based on, and that's, what's good about the 3d shoots. Yeah. Cause I know, I know if I know the distance, I can hit it. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not the problem. What is the distance, you know, and then how do I adjust for it? If I think it's 35 yards, I got a 30 pin and a 40 pin. Well, now I need to, you know, go in between where do I need to go? So now it's just a matter of where to aim. And that's nice about single pins is you just set up your distance yeah. as long as you remember to set it and yeah. reset it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not fond of them for hunting. You set them for 20. If you don't set them for 20, it's like, oh, I, I shot this last one. Shot was 30 and I forgot to reset it. Now you're missing. Um, of course, with multiple pins, if you don't pick a pin, you ain't get hit it anyway. <laughs> How do I know? Yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like 10 yards away. I forgot to pick a pin. I had them all. I completely missed it. <laughs> I just forgot to pick a pin. Yep. But, uh, um, you know, that's just one of those things. You, you forget to pick a pin. But that's what I like about the 3Ds is going out there. And my goal on a 3D when I was going all the time was uh, I want to average eight. If I'm yeah. not averaging an eight that's or good... better, that meant that I didn't average a kill shot on every animal. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't care where I was at, you know, when I was going with a buddy of mine, when he was live, we'd go out and uh, who gets to give the crap on the way home and who has to receive it. You know, yeah. next week it might be different. And we're going out there, one and shoot first, and, and then I'd hit shoot first, I'd shoot first. And, and, and you know, we kind of figure, okay, we're judging yardage here because we're not using range finders, we're judging yardage. And, and then we kind of talk about it, and, you know, help each other out with that. And, and, you know, we didn't care if we come in last and next to last. You know, or first and second, you know, they're doing different flights. So you might come, you might be first, but you're in 11th place overall. Yeah. Because the group at 10. Yeah. You know, so it really didn't matter. And, and, you know, so we're just out there having fun and take the kids out and I take them out, you know, when they were shooting, started off with, they're like five pound recurve bows or five pound compound bows and yeah. they wouldn't stick. Yeah. So, if you could see where it hit, you give them a score. Otherwise, they at least got five on every animal they hit. And we take them up where they could hit them. Yeah. You know, because even a pointed arrow 
won't stick at five pounds unless you get pretty close. So work, work in the hit. We didn't care because yeah. yeah, it was out having fun. Yeah. It was, I, uh, I really didn't have, I didn't really utilize the range finder until, I mean, I was shooting competitively with the IBO, but I really wasn't using a range finder to help me because I just thought it was somewhat of a crutch. But then uh, um, I started working for the IBO and putting together tournaments up in the Northeast. And I actually worked my way up to being um, uh, on the national level. I was the national director for uh, the, the different state reps and stuff like that for the IBO. And uh, um, that's when I really got myself a really nice range finder so that when I was setting courses, I would know that it was, you know, the yardage with, was within the limits of what people needed to shoot and stuff like that. Um, and that was when they first came out with the range finders with the angle deflection and stuff. Oh, like yeah. That. So it was, it was definitely a learning experience. But I, and when I was competing, because I didn't want anybody to say there's a conflict of interest or anything like that. And uh, um, it was funny, by the end of the season of setting courses, I could sit there and stand at it, stand, look at the target and go, yep, that's 43 yards. And then put the range finder up and go, yep, it's 43 yards. I got really good at it. And I was, I was like, yeah, I wish I would have thought about using a range finder a little bit sooner. I could have probably worked on my yardages, you know, before the season really started by going out in the woods and just looking at a tree going, yeah, that's 28 yards. And then checking it and going, yep, I'm, I'm on or I'm off or, you know, taking a look at it, trying to, you know, read the ground or whatever to, you know, to get better at shooting 3D. I might be a little bit better now, but um, <laughs> instead of, instead of averaging, looking at averaging an eight, which is, is really good because it's a kill shot every time I, you know, I might be average, trying to look at averaging 10 every time, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that I, was many years ago when I was shooting. So I wasn't, I wasn't near as good. I didn't, I didn't really have all that experience I do now. And, um, you know, so it's, you know, then it was just like, Hey, we're going out having fun. And, yep. and, you know, we weren't up at the top one. So, but we didn't, we didn't care. We're out having fun. And um, yeah, your, your way of using the rangefinder that's, that's really the only way to do it is yeah. judge the yardage. And you know, a lot of times when you're shooting, judge the yardage, take your shot and then range find it. Yeah. Because you committed to that is the distance I'm shooting, and then you make your shot, and then if it's a good one, you don't need to range it because you got it right. Yeah. If you're off a little bit, then range is like okay, I was short, I was long, and yeah. and when you get stuff at angles, that messes you all up. Yeah, you know that's one of the things I like about the ASA and having the known yardage because you know. I like the unknown yardage, you know, and I like the competitive side of things, but that's not, that's not necessarily everyone. Some people like to go out there and have fun and still come home with all their arrows and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, that's one of the things I do like about the ASA. Um, I really, you know, I try to promote people going out there and having fun, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you go on a 3d course, if you take yourself too seriously, you're not going to have fun. So <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, one of the things I'm known for is, is uh, I used to show up at the IUPO World Championships and I would go shoot it in my sandals and people would laugh <laughs> at it. And I'd sit there and tell them, I'd say, listen, I'm not, I'm not worried about winning it. I'm worried, you know, I'm more worried about having fun and making sure everyone has a good time and stuff like that. And I just, 
it's one of those things. Archery, you know, can be very frustrating if you let it be frustrating. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like being married. Yeah, you can get frustrated being married. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you can have fun with it. That's what I try to do is, you know, I try to have fun with archery and I wish, you know, people would get more involved. It's a great sport. It teaches you a lot. It teaches you to be a little bit more patient you know, put a little bit of more effort, a little bit more work to become better. You, you know, little things can make a big difference. Um, it's a great sport. Um, and the great thing about the sport is, is you don't have to be in great athletic shape to shoot it. Um, you can sit there and, you, you know, you can, be, you can be slightly overweight and you, know, you can be greatly overweight. I've seen some people that, that doesn't matter. It's not a matter of being in shape. It's a matter of going out there, executing and just, just enjoy it. Yeah. And if it takes you longer to get between targets, who cares? Yeah. You know, as we get older, we don't walk as fast as we used to when we're, when we're younger. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go running between targets. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk because, hey, I want to have a little energy left by the time I get done and, you know, shooting 40 arrows uh, at 40 different targets, walking around who knows how far it is, depending on how far you spread them around. And, and you know, it's, it's just fun to get out there and you know, hopefully it's not too hot of a day or you have plenty of water with you. Yeah. That's and that's another nice thing about a lot of these tournaments now, like the TAC and the Reinhardt 100 and stuff like that. Um, you know, even IBO Worlds, ASA, you know, no one really cares if it's, if you're flying the PSE flag, Bowtech, you know, everyone's making great bows and stuff like that. I, I personally, you know, I can sit here for an hour talking about how, why I like PSE and why I think PSE is better and stuff like that. Um, but when you go to those events, it doesn't matter. And that was one of the things I really like about it. I mean, some of the smaller clubs I've been to, yeah, you know, I've shown up with a PSC and they're all Matthews or whatever brand, you know, they're a certain brand and they look right. down, you see them looking down at you and I'm like, you know, I don't really care. I just go in there to shoot and have fun anyhow. But when you get to these bigger tournaments, that's, and that's the thing is sometimes that scares people from the local clubs or, you know, level of shooting is because they're, they're afraid. Well, I only have this brand bow. Who cares? Just go have fun. But when you go right. to the bigger events and stuff like that, no one cares. It's, it's all a family and it's, it's amazing. Like at IBO worlds, you know, I remember it was like a big party and, and we didn't care, you know, the, you know, PSE staff, we'd have a party, but we'd invite everyone to it. We didn't care, you know, just let's just have fun and enjoy the fact that we're yeah. here. And then we'd help people, you know, you know, we want people to succeed and stuff like that and you know people from other companies want you know most of them always want to see people succeed and stuff like that it's just having fun getting out there and sharing the archery you know experience and just enjoy it well each of the bow manufacturers think their their bow is the best which they should yes um but it might be the best one manufacturer might be the best ultimate bow but not for me yeah you know it, um, remember the, when, uh, PSE bought Browning and they come out with that counter rotating cam bow. Yep. Yeah. I had one of those. I wanted to shoot that so bad. It's like, I, that was just so cool. You know, counter rotating cams. Yeah. It's like, so I'm setting it up and I'm shooting and I could not get it to fit me <laughs> no matter what I did. I could not get it to fit me. I'm like I, I, I can't shoot this bow. It just yep. doesn't fit. And I wanted to shoot it. You know, it's not like, yeah, uh, okay, you know, make me try and say, no, I really wanted to shoot it, but I just could not get it to fit right. It just didn't feel right. 
And so otherwise I'd still have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, but <laughs> I, I like shooting all the different bows from different brands and stuff like that. And I could tell you if I didn't shoot PSC, I could, you know, I could go down almost every company. I could tell you, this is the bow I would shoot from them and stuff like that. You, you know, um, like I said, I love PSC. It was, you know, it was family owned, made here in the United States. Um, you know, a lot of the technology I love about it and everything. Um, but there's other, other bow brands. There's some things that are unique about them and, you know, just get out there, shoot the bows that you like, you know, I, and it's funny because, you know, we're talking about different companies. Like I always talk about Hoyt shooters are like Cadillac owners. They're going to buy a yeah. Cadillac no matter what, right. um, <laughs> you know, they know they're getting a smooth ride They you know, they know they're getting something nice. You know, it's not a speed car. It's not a tech, you know, it's not a flashy car by any means. They know what they're getting and they're happy with it. That's great. Enjoy it. You know, I, there's things I like about PSC that other people probably don't like, you know, so it is what it is. Um, but get out there and try out the boats and start shooting and get other people involved so that we can grow our sport and we can have our sport. Yeah, and I always tell people when they when I get a new person in that was trying to pick out a, a bow, I was like, well, first I find out they're right or left eye dominant. So whether I put them in the right yeah. or left handed bows. So I'd say, okay, um, you know, if they're beginner, I didn't push them to the high end bows just because they're not going to appreciate yeah. the, the advantage of having the higher end bow. They're not going to know a difference. So I'd I'd, you know, you know, direct them to more of the kits, the, everything they need on one shot figure out what they want and upgrade later. Um, but I'd say, put it in your hand. How's it feel? Eh, put another one in your hand. Well, I like the way this one feels. Okay, let's set it up and go shoot it. Okay, what other one do you like? You know, and keep it down to only two bows. Yep. I didn't do that one time. I had six bows that one time <laughs> on, the, on the floor and could not figure out which one he wanted. So I says, okay, I'm going to put one in your hand. You're going to shoot your eyes closed. Yep. And I put one in the hand, shoot it, okay? And he didn't know which one was put in his hand because his eyes are closed. Yep. Like, okay, shoot this one. Which one you like better and why? I didn't care what his reason was. I wanted yeah. to say, why well, I like them? But pull that one out. Okay, try these two. And finally narrow it down because your yeah. eyes closed. You can tell how it feels with your eyes open. Your mind gets involved. Yeah. You know, instead of your, your, your mind's eye or say, whatever you want to say, you know, you can feel how the bow reacts with your eyes closed eyes open most people can yeah. yeah until now you and i probably could because we know how to disconnect our eyes from the feeling and just feel how it goes but yeah. a new shooter not going to know how to do that yeah. and it, you know i you know like on stabilizers i'd put one stabilize on how's that feel it's like oh okay but it's an expensive one on does it feel any better it feel any different no well buy the cheap one yeah because if you can't tell the difference why spend the money Yep. And that was always my attitude towards is, you know, don't spend the extra money for spending the extra money. If you can't tell the difference, it's not worth the extra money. Yep. And if you can tell, then you have to decide, okay, is it worth $100 more for this? Do I like this $100 more than, than that one? If not, then buy the cheaper one. You know, as your skills get better, you're going to know how to see all these things. You're going to say, oh, okay, all of a sudden, yeah, okay, I can tell the difference and I want this because I like this better. And until then, buy the cheap stuff. I used to have people, you know, guys send them in to me because they knew I wouldn't oversell them. 
Mm-hmm. You go in some of the other shops and they would push the highest dollar bow. They'd push the highest stabilizer, the most expensive rest and sight and, and release. You know, so now you're walking in a new new shooter coming in, you know, back when I had my store, you know, you're spending $350, $400 maybe. Mm-hmm. Other shops are trying to sell them in $2,000 of a bow for your first bow. I was like, yeah. why? Um, exactly. Some shots were commissioned. The higher the dollar, the more their, their profit was, the more the commission was. Well, I'm the owner. I'm 100% <laughs> commission. Yeah. So if I don't sell it, <laughs> you don't get a commission. At all. I, I don't, I don't get anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you push the lower end ones, you can get more people to buy the lower end ones to start off with. And, and then not only they like that bow, they're in the sport, they really enjoy the sport. And what are they going to do? Then eventually they're going to want a better sight. So come in, sell them a better sight. Yep. Oh, I want yep. a better rest. Sell a better rest. Like, oh, I want a better bow. So you t- sell them the better bow. You move their good sight and rest over the new one and put the old ones back on there. And, and now they have a second bow that they can either sell or use. So yep. now you're graduate, which means more sales in the long run. Yeah. Well, and that's and, the thing. And a happier customer. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is, is a lot of dealers, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a few dealers out there that they want to just push one brand for whatever reason. You know, they, they have an emotional attachment. I wish they had more of attachment to their wallet and long-term concept because right. if you sell someone something and they buy it only because they felt like pressured to buy it, they don't necessarily enjoy the sport. They get out of the sport and they're like, yeah, I was forced to buy this thousand dollar bow that I really didn't, you know, couldn't afford to, you know, you know, I was really pushing my money and, you know, blah, blah, blah. If they would have bought an entry-level bow that, from another company, they may have enjoyed the sport a lot more and said, okay, you know, I'll get nicer uh, accessories, you know, the following years, a few years later, then they buy a high-end bow because they can, one, they can appreciate the difference between a low-end and a high-end right. bow at that point, but they also are enjoying the sport. They don't feel like I invested all this money and I'm just having a bad experience because I'm not shooting well or whatever. They don't feel like they've wasted a bunch of money. And, you know, I wish dealers would do like, that's how I set up bows. Even when I worked for PSC, I was working at a shop to help them with an event. I'd sit there and put a bunch of different bows in the person's hand. I mean, yeah, I wanted them to shoot a PSC, but I wanted them to walk out with a bow that they felt comfortable with and that they wanted to stay in the sport. Um, not just because they, you know, they made the PSC guy happy, you know, for buying his bow. Right. And, and that's when you, you know, like you said, when you're at your store, they're going to have PSE because otherwise you probably wouldn't be there, but they're going to have PSE. They're going to have, uh, you know, the Botex, the Diamonds, you know, you know, and who knows all what other brands are going to have. Mm-hmm. Like I said, how does this bow feel in your hand? How does yeah. this bow feel in your hand? It's like, oh, I really like that one. Well, it's not a PSE, but good. That's the one, that's bow for you. And, yeah. and they're going to appreciate that. And later on, they might start putting the high-end bows in their hand. It's like, Ooh, no, I really like this PSC way. It fits my hand better than the other ones. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's all about, you know, doing what's best for them. Yeah. You and know, and if, the other if, thing if, is a lot of guys come in and they come in with their friend, their friend shoots brand A and they almost feel pressured to shoot brand A too, because that's what the friend shoots and stuff like that. And I tell them, listen, you're going to let your buddy choose your wife or girlfriend? No, you know, so don't let them choose your bow. Yeah. yeah yeah just yeah just get out there and, and you know and that's the thing that you know we we need to make sure that they don't get stuck into uh, mm-hmm. uh, a thing it's like well 
this is the best. You know, I had guys come in and say, well, um, I'm going to get those, but ne my next bow is going to be the best bow. Yeah. Um, what's that one? <laughs> and, and most times I said Matthews. Those because Matthews advertises they're the best. A lot yeah. of advertising. And, and they also pay their shooters very well to win with the Matthews. Yeah. And I was like, why do you say that? Well, they are. Well, why are they? And, and they can't answer it because yeah. all they're doing is listen to the ads. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say Matthews aren't good bows because they are very good bows. They do yes. shoot very well. Yeah. When I set my, my Q2 up, my very first shot was a perfect hole. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, it could be just I knew how to set them up, but I wasn't that good at setting them up because it was before I even went down to PSC's dealer school. So yeah. I just kind of roughly set it up and it shot great. Yeah. It wasn't near as fast as my Carrera. Um, I think the career was rated at what, 320. Yeah, I think. which was blazing back then. Oh, yeah, it was blazing fast back then. You know, nothing was that fast. And and now there's not that many, they're a whole lot faster. Yeah. You know, I think they're what, 340s or something like that. Yeah, up there yeah. Now. 330 to three, 335 to about 345 is about the average. Yeah. Well, and, and then too, I shoot fixed blades. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm, I'm shooting 29 inch draw length. I'm 20 and a half, but I shoot 29, 70 pounds. Uh, I'm not shooting a 350 grain arrow and I have more than knock point. So I'm not getting my 320. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm down probably 30 feet per second on there. And at, at some point, as they get faster and faster, those fixed blades are harder and harder to control. Mm -hmm. So then you go to mechanicals. Um, you know, at the slower speeds, you know, fixed blades work just fine. I, I haven't had any trouble with mine uh, shooting three-bladed muzzies <laughs> yeah I, I shoot a fixed blade myself but i'm shooting i shoot 60 pounds um it's about 405 grains uh arrow uh 125 or 120 grain uh, or 120 grain 100 grain broadhead uh ram cats is what i shoot i love the it's amazing those do fly pretty damn close to my um field points so i can't complain um and devastating i mean at 60 pounds i took a, a 400 pound plus bear with one and it didn't go it didn't go far at all um it's, yeah. it, it's much more about shot placement than anything right but, um uh i'm not a big mechanical broadhead fan i'd like to, I, i'm i'm not a very smart guy so i like to keep it simple i i follow the <laughs> control um uh so i do love i do love my uh my fixed blade broadheads and but i also shoot you know 60 pounds a heavy arrow for 60 pounds and uh it works for me but that's you know it's one of those things some guys like the lighter ones have at it you know just make yeah. sure that you get that shot placement yeah well we're coming up on a, a kind of a hard stop here so no worries um, yeah <laughs> uh give us uh, some parting thoughts um that you'd like to tell our audience before we head out of here um hey just uh get people in archery um enjoy it go out there to have fun don't take it too seriously don't take yourselves too seriously don't take life too seriously um uh from the boyd harness point of view uh look forward to next year we're going to be introducing some archery stuff um we're, we're um, excited about it. I also, we also have a bunch of other things, but go check out boyharness.com. See some of the other uh, hunting accessories that you can get. And uh, other than that, everyone have a great day and enjoy archery to the fullest.
Yeah, and I'll leave a link uh, to voidharness.com in the description uh, for the podcast and, and on the YouTube channel. I'll, I'll leave a link there. And anybody that's uh, on the Facebook group, if you're interested, just just contact us and, and let us know if you have anything. Um, and if people want to contact me, they can contact me um, uh, via Facebook, John Brown, um, just real simple, J-O-N Brown. Um, you'll, you can catch me there. That's probably one of the best places to catch me. If you have any questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, it's, it sounds good. And, and just always reach out. If you have a question, like I always say, the only the only dumb question is one you haven't asked because once you ask it, it was a question and it's not dumb. Yep. Now, if you keep asking the same question multiple times, that might, <laughs> so we're not, we're telling, we're answering it wrong. Yep. <laughs> Well, it's been great talking to you. My name Thank is Roy Canterbury, and I've been the host here on Arch Talk 101 with John Brown, and we had a, a lot of fun talking, and we'll see everybody in the next one, and uh, take care, and shoot straight, and pick up that bow, and shoot. <laughs> <laughs>